0: Hello and welcome to a women's football special of the Arsenal Beat. While the men are off on their winter break in Dubai and Mohamed Elneny's winning Man of the Match awards in the African Cup of Nations, the women's team are in the thick of a women's Super League title race. I'm Molly Hudson from The Times and joining me today to give us a progress report at the halfway point of the season are Tim Stillman from ASPOG and Art De Roche from The Athletic. Tim, you and I were there last night and are hopefully you were somewhere slightly warmer than Bournemouth. Um, I saw you admiring Beth Mead's free kick um, after Arsenal's 2-1 victory over Brighton. The two goal scorers, Beth Mead and Vivian Mead were familiar ones. Tim, did it feel as though this Arsenal performance, particularly in that second half, was a lot more like the ones earlier in the season
1: yeah much more i actually i think arsenal started the game very strongly the first 15 minutes or so of the first half until brighton scored and then i think things really dropped off but in the second half um they they put the foot down on the pedal and it's the best football they've played probably in about two or three months that second half because brighton you know brighton are a good team i think um I, I was sitting behind uh, Jackie Oatley and the Sky commentators, which is great because you get the replay screens and you can hear what they're saying. Um, and I heard um, I heard Jackie say that Brighton had won all of the WSL games where they'd taken the lead this season. So that shows you that once they get 1-0 up, they're very, very difficult to break down. And obviously they kept Chelsea out at the weekend. But the way I, I, I was worried at half time, but the way Arsenal came out in that second half even though the goals came from set pieces i mean arsenal were still so on top and the way they got those set pieces was because they were they were panicking brighton and they just they were moving the ball quicker they got their good players into much more dangerous areas and there's there has been like a slow creep of improvement um during this month um i thought they played quite well against city but yeah that 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 second half last night that that felt like something had had really clicked
0: I have to send my thanks to Jackie Oatley because I saw you then tweet that stat and then I stole that stat. So Jackie Oatley has has done us all very well there. Legend. Absolute legend. Um, Art, I know I saw you tweeting about the the Beth Mead free kick. It it wasn't too bad, was it? How how good has Beth Mead been? I think that that assist for Viv's goal made her the equal all-time assist holder alongside Karen Carney, obviously another former Arsenal player. Um, she's pretty important for Arsenal, isn't she? When she can get firing,
2: yeah, it was quite a decent goal, wasn't it? <laughs> I think um, when when you're looking at Arsenal this season, obviously the the big names always going to be Vivian Miedemar, but um, this season especially, I think it's really been about how Beth Mead has driven this Arsenal team forward, I think, especially, uh, considering the transition from Joe Montemura to jonas idavar uh, or Idovar, <laughs> uh, I think, uh, she's probably been the player that's embodied, um, what he wants the Arsenal team to represent, not just with, um, her goals and assists, which are obviously very important, but just the way that she plays, she's, Just, I think she's probably one of the most intense attacking players in the league, not just um, when she's running in behind or when she's um, picking out a pass, but also um, when she's pressing teams as well. I think that sets the tone. I know um, Karen Carney mentioned uh, Miedema setting the tone in her uh, post-match analysis after the game uh, yesterday, but I think um, that's something that Beth Mead's done very well too. Throughout the, throughout the season. So without that, especially earlier on, I think when you think of the uh, opening day win against Chelsea, and just throughout the first half of the season, that was something that almost was a trademark <laughs> for, for, for Arsenal, how aggressive they were. And I think, uh, especially in the second half of the season, that's what they're going to, to need again uh, to, to make this title push um, a, a real serious one.
0: you mentioned it there, but that victory took Arsenal four points clear of Chelsea in second place. But Emma Hayes' side hold a game in hand. Um, a little bit of a funny exchange with some Twitter fans in midweek. It was also at Chelsea West Ham and the Chelsea fans were singing, Arsenal women, we're coming for you. That went down well, as you can imagine, with Arsenal <laughs> Twitter. Um, oh, What have you made of the title race so far? I know you were you at were the game um against Manchester City at the weekend as well that felt like quite an important equalizer despite the absolute chaos of parts of that <laughs> game um what what have you made of it so far
2: yeah it's been great to watch i think um i haven't expected chelsea to drop as many points as they have done this season i know um speaking of that that opening day uh win at the emirates i remember um speaking in one of the press conferences to Edervar. And he mentioned that he actually preferred a hard start because obviously when the fixtures were drawn out, everybody saw Chelsea and Manchester City as the first in the first few weeks and were a bit like, wow, are, are Arsenal going to be ready for that? Um, but it turned out they were. And I think that's something just starting fast was really important to to Edouard. That was very evident early on. And Setting the pace, I think, has been a real benefit for them because, um, and I think this has been uh, the case both in the men's team and with the women's team, but points on the board is much better than games in hand because you don't have as much pressure to perform when when you do come to those games in hand. I do think uh, that point that you mentioned that Man City was, I think it's going to be massive when you consider... Even though Chelsea do have that game in hand, there's still four points there. Uh, that is the gap, and um, just how close the Arsenal were to defeat. I know they they played uh, considerably better after uh, the City goal, but um, Tobin Heath stepping up in that moment, I think, were, is going to be a massive moment for the season. Um, and also, I think I, I saw. I'm not sure. Uh, if it was you who tweeted about um, uh, Jonas uh, mentioning Heath's words at halftime, uh, it was either Molly or Tim. I can't remember who. It was but, me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think that probably shows to the kind of the, the change in mentality as well uh, this season compared to last, which should hopefully help them uh, take that title push uh, as far as possible.
1: Yeah, just to, to kind of uh, jump in on that, what to clarify, what uh, Jonas told me was that Tobin Heath said at half-time to the other players, it's better when it's difficult, um, basically. Uh, but by which I, th- I think she meant, you know, it's better when you win, when it's difficult and these games are more enjoyable. And, and he said it gave the team perspective um, in the second half. And he was also asked about pressure as well, Jonas. He was asked, you know, how much pressure did the players feel like they were under? And he gave a really interesting answer to that. And he said, well, when you're at a club like us, you can take pressure two ways. You can take it and be anxious, or you can take it and say, wow, lots of people care about the job I do. I play for a massive club. Every game I play in is big and take it as a privilege. And he spoke about taking it as a privilege and saying that's how I want the players to take it, which I thought was a really interesting angle, actually.
0: Tim, you've seen plenty of title races with Chelsea. I wonder... I suppose the one thing that Ideville doesn't have of all of the impressive start he's made at Arsenal, he just doesn't have that experience of the women's Super League title race. He doesn't have the years on him that Emma Hayes has and that kind of experience, the personality, The you know, arguably there's no one better than handling pressure. I wonder how much of an influence you think that'll have when it comes down to the nitty gritty at the end of the season.
1: It it could do. I don't think it'll be as much of a thing for Jonas because he's won the league a few times in Sweden, um, with which is which is a, a strong competitive league. Um I, I think it's more about the team um at the moment and building themselves up. I don't think anyone expected Arsenal to be top at this point of the season. I think we all expected Arsenal to be in there. Um, but not to be top. And what Art was talking about, the strong start, I also thought that that was an advantage because Arsenal started their season earlier with the Champions League qualifiers. They went into those Chelsea and City games warm and Chelsea in particular were cold um, on the opening day of the season. So I I do think there is something about leading from the front. And the last time Arsenal won the WSL, that's exactly what they did under Joe. They started that season 18-19 Playing some of the best football I've ever seen Arsenal women play, and then Jordan Nobbs got injured in November, and they didn't look quite the same team. But they built up, they built up a big advantage. Um, and after that, like they lost to Man City, they lost to Chelsea after that. But they built up a, a buffer in the first half of the season, and um, it, it's going to be fascinating. Like I'm, I'm still. I didn't, ex- I, I didn't expect Arsenal to be top. I expected Arsenal to be second at this stage. That was my prediction at the beginning of the season, that Arsenal would finish second. And, you know, it, it would be disappointing not to win it, having led a lot of the season, but still taking that perspective um, as an Arsenal fan. I You know, I think being in that race is still progress on what we've seen in the last two seasons. So even if Arsenal end up finishing second, because like you say, Molly, Chelsea know what they're doing. In this scenario, they really know what they're doing. Um, and I agree with Art. I do, you know, who, who would have, if you'd have told me two months ago that Chelsea wouldn't beat Brighton or Reading and Arsenal would lose to Birmingham, um, I wouldn't have put a lot of money on that. So, And that's really good because that suggests that it's not just the games between the top teams that decide the title. They go a long way, but it doesn't feel like it has for the last few years that those games absolutely decide it. Um, and obviously Arsenal are away at Chelsea in a couple of weeks and that is going to be an absolutely huge game. To, to be honest, I still think Chelsea will probably win it, just. Um, but I think Arsenal would be able to take that still as an experience to take into next season. And you'd see a little bit more of uh, maybe turnover of players. Jonas bringing more of his own players in, um, some players going. And, and I think, you know, he, he's talking about building this team quite slowly. Um, I think, but at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if Arsenal did go on and win it. Um, but really, that that Chelsea game, I think, is is it, it just is going to be huge. It's going to have an outsized importance on who wins the league. And yeah, Chelsea's experience, Emma Hayes' experience, that might end up getting them over the line. But I do think Arsenal will be stronger no matter what happens, really, unless they totally and completely collapse at this point. <laughs>
0: I'm going to put you on the spot now. Arsenal or Chelsea, what do you reckon?
2: Oh my God. Um,
0: That's an unhappy art face. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, Wow. I think I will say Arsenal just, uh, and my reasoning is because at the minute it's four points, which is the gap. Um, and, I know, as as Tim rightly said, it's it's not just the games against the top three that are decided in the league anymore. And I think not only is that um, good in terms of the title race, but just when you look at the whole league itself, I think it just makes it all a lot more competitive. I know uh, when we were doing the North London derby in uh, November, not a lot of people expected Tottenham to get anything out of that game. And I know Arsenal fans would have been quite frustrated that they did but I, I still thought that was actually quite um, a positive result just for the way Tottenham actually took the game for, to Arsenal and weren't uh, scared to play football as a lot of teams are when they do play against the top three um, but yeah I, I'd say at this moment I'd just give Arsenal the edge because they have the points on the board um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea were to to um, overtake them later in or later in the season um, or in the next couple of weeks, because they are so experienced with uh, these title races.
0: We'll be holding you to that. For, um... <laughs> um, Jonas was on. Fine form again last night with a lovely analogy about climbing Mount Everest or maybe more about what happens when you get to the top of Mount Everest. Um, you can read that on our blog. Tim, you probably cover more Arsenal presses than any of us. And how do you think Jonas has settled in? Because the last time we did a pod, I think me and Art were talking about seeing him celebrating on the touchline at the Emirates. And we saw a little bit of his, his personality, his passion there. But I think we've we've seen a, a little bit more of him as the season um we've, we've certainly seen a few more bookings for him and I think he's probably opened up a little bit in in press conferences as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, he has. It's um it, you're getting a sense of of the character now. Um and actually after a, he's got four bookings this season by the way in all competitions. Um so <laughs> that's that that's got to be a record in the WSL. Um, he he's he is like I think you are getting a sense of the character now, and actually he spoke a little bit about. Um, well, he's spoken a lot about how he is on the touchline, and you know he he says he likes to do it because he wants his players to be intense and he wants to set that example. But the other thing um, he was talking about after the Man City game was because he got booked in that game as well for complaining about the Manchester City goal, and he said, "Look, I let these things go quickly." you know he said look at the time i was upset for about a minute and then i had a bit of a rant and i was fine and when you talk to him after the game he does have a lot of perspective um you know you think even after a bad result you talk to him you think oh god what's he going to be like and and he's like absolutely on the level and I, I think he's just one of those people who has to like get it out you know <laughs> and then he's fine and he was talking about refereeing and he, after the city game and he was talking about it you know yeah, referees make mistakes, I make mistakes, players make mistakes. It's not really a big deal. I was a, he talked about being I was a referee when I was younger. I was a bad one. And you know, and but he did say like I I want to work on that a bit. That's that's not really who I want to be, but you know, he he does have perspective after the fact. I think um some of his quotes last night actually were you can tell he's been on a lot of motivational courses. So there was yeah, the, the Everest one was more people die going down Everest than going up it because they relax when they get to the top and think the challenge is done. And then there was that quote about um, pressure and things like that. You, you can tell he reads a lot of self-help books, I think. Um, but it, it's been fascinating, both as a character, because he's so different to Joe Montemoro as a character, particularly on the sidelines, and because his football is very different. And um, he's been talking a lot this month about the team still adjusting to that and, and the fast start. I think, um, you know... I don't want to say covered some ills, but maybe like because of that fast start, because they got Chelsea and City cold, we thought that this team had developed more quickly than it had. But he's still talking about you know no, we're we're still putting principles in place. We're still you know we're we're still like working with structure and things like that. And um you know and he's talking about the progress of the team and and I think and I think that's right because he has changed things stylistically quite drastically. Um, But he he is like a fascinating character. He's a fascinating guy to talk to. Um, But on the sidelines, something very different in the WSL, I think. I don't think we've seen many coaches like that. And and just to finish on another quote of his, from the first game of the season at Chelsea, he was asked in the press conference about celebrating on the sideline. And he said something like, um, if you want your players to bring the heat, you've got to bring the fire. And uh, and and I really liked that as well. Another kind of Instagram self help motivational quote, I think.
0: Normally, it's being Arsenal manager that drives you to the self help, but yeah, Mister <laughs> got there quite early, doesn't he? Um, I think oh, so. Ah, oh, as an as an Arsenal fan, do you like to see that on the touchline?
2: Yeah, I think. Especially considering how football has uh, gone in the past, say, 10 years, you haven't, you, and this is both in the men's and women's game, it's not just looking at one side of it. I think football's become a bit stale in some areas. There's not been as much personality. Um, I think Arsenal have been, Arsenal women have been lucky. They've had two um, head coaches, I should say, who have been great personalities even though they're very different <laughs> obviously um, Jonas is a lot more fiery um, on the touchline than Joe Montemura was but that doesn't mean that Joe's personality didn't come across either um, I think he was probably just someone who was a bit more um, laid back uh, and that came across in his football and I think it's been really interesting that um, both, both Arsenal teams so the Montemura team and the Edenvale team, they pretty much represent their head coaches, I think, uh, in the way that they play, and their their personality, their personalities come across a lot in the way that their teams play. Um, but I, I as speaking as a fan, I do actually like to see it a lot. Obviously, sometimes it may get very close to the line, um, but especially when uh, when fans are in the stadiums and it is probably better to do it at home games I think um, <laughs> I think um, I think that's something that that uh, fans would properly uh, feed off as well. Um, having a manager that actually uh, brings across that energy that isn't just quite placid and, and stale. I think it just adds a bit more to <laughs> to, to the spectacle. And um, I don't I don't think it's a negative. I know people, when they see it, say, see those moments out of context, they can be quite, um, I guess, alarmed. (laughs) Um, But um, I I don't think it's as big of a deal as it looks to uh, to people who do see those moments in isolation.
0: Regular listers of the Arsenal beat will know the words transfer window have hardly filled Gunners fans with glee so far this month. A pretty lacklustre, or maybe we can say stale, transfer window for the men. But ask the women have secured several new additions, forward Stina Blackstenius, perhaps the best player actually available in this January window that's proved quite tricky for a few clubs, I think it's fair to say, in the Women's Super League. Obviously, we know quite a lot about Steen already, but Tim, perhaps a signing I personally didn't know too much about and probably a lot of our listeners didn't, um, is Raphael Souza. She mm-hmm. came on for Leah Williamson against Manchester City. She started last night. Uh, she seems to have fitted in pretty seamlessly. Can you tell us a, a little bit about her and why maybe she's she's managed to make that transition so well?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I was very pleased with this signing on a number of levels. I've been waiting for Arsenal women to sign a Brazilian for quite a long time. And um, I, I, I also cover the Brazilian uh, women's national team during tournaments. So I, I know a lot about this player. I've seen a lot of her. And as, as soon as I'd heard about this, I thought, yeah, that fits. Because first of all, because she's left footed um, and none of Arsenal's centre, other centre backs are left footed and not just left footed she's got a really good left foot she passes the ball out of out of the back really nicely her her passing range is much more analogous to Leah Williamson's and and I think that's really important because teams know to mark Leah Williamson now so if you've got another player who's got that range also you can see you know Molly you'd have seen last night she's built right she looks like a center half um she's solid and she's quick she's great in the air like I just think um, attributes-wise, just really, really fits this team. And she's 30. She's a full Brazil international. Um, she plays with the Swedish coach, Pia, um, for Brazil, who plays very similar football to Jonas. So I, I think just a really, really strong signing and, and a really good character um, as well. And I know a lot of the players have already commented on this, that she's, she's a really, really strong character to have around. She's from the northeast of Brazil. And generally speaking, people from the northeast are very, very open, very, very accommodating, um, kind of bubbly people without wishing to stereotype too much. And she very much fits that mould.
0: You were saying about how well built she was. I didn't realise quite how tall she was. Um, Leah Williamson is, is not short and she's right up there, isn't she? So I think she's made a huge impact. So that would definitely be one to keep an eye on. We'll see in the coming weeks whether winning the transfer window actually means winning the Women's Super League and it's a big period for Arsenal because their next two league opponents are Manchester United and Chelsea. But for now, thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week with a debrief on the men's transfer window.